I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is Newsbeat. Hey, everyone. This is Manny Faces, producer and host of Newsbeat, the award-winning podcast that mixes social justice journalism with music and original lyrics from independent hip-hop artists. It's kind of like if Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. Now, even though we're sans artists these days, thanks to COVID-19, we're not stopping our mission of documenting the abundance of social issues we're being faced with these days. In this episode, we're focusing on the concept of defunding the police. It's an idea that's been championed by civil rights and police reform groups for some time now, but it's really gained incredible traction in recent weeks as a primary demand of protests around the world in the aftermath of the horrific murder of unarmed African-American George Floyd by a white Minneapolis police officer. So let's clarify some things from Jump. Defunding the police does not necessarily mean eliminating the police entirely. That's a critical distinction and very important that everyone understands because many, especially on the right, have been sowing fear about this movement by falsely stating that defund means abolish. It doesn't. Now, there's another movement to do just that, to disband or get rid of the police completely, to reimagine what public safety looks like and could be, and create an entirely new model. In fact, the Minneapolis City Council has vowed to do just that. But that's a different conversation and maybe the subject of another Newsbeat episode. For now, defunding the police means really dissecting the monstrous, ginormous, gargantuan budgets of police departments and divesting, redirecting, or reallocating significant portions of these funds away from ever-militarized policing toward other meaningful departments and programs, such as social services and community resources. To put this in context, let's take the New York City Police Department. The NYPD's $6 billion budget would make it the 33rd largest military spender on the planet. One of our guests on this episode, London Arnold, recently testified to a city council finance committee that NYC has historically spent more on the NYPD and corrections than the departments of health, housing preservation and development, youth and community development, homeless services and workforce investment combined. You only need to know one of the names of the countless folks who have been unjustifiably killed by police, participate in a march, or watch the footage of what's unfolding on the streets of neighborhoods across America on a daily basis to witness the viciousness of what has led us to this moment. Police roll up in armored fortresses, armed to the teeth with military-grade weaponry, tear gassing, macing, and brutally beating folks as they exercise their First Amendment rights. And this is just what mainstream media shows, which of course is just a mere fraction of the barbarity unleashed on the public. Search hashtag police brutality on Twitter for a better glimpse. So besides London Arnold of grassroots organization, the Justice Committee, other guests on this episode break it all down for us, including Alice Fontier, attorney and managing director of nonprofit public law office, Neighborhood Defender Service, and Barry Friedman, professor of law at NYU School of Law and faculty director of its policing project, aimed at shifting the conversation and infusing greater democratic participation into police accountability. Now, as always, if you dig what you hear, please subscribe and rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening on and spread the word about what we do. You can also check us out at usnewsbeat.com for all of our previous episodes, uh, full-length traditional written stories that accompany each episode, and more about our guests and our musical artists. 
Once again, I'm Manny Faces. On behalf of the entire Newsbeat and Mori Creative Studios teams, thank you for listening. We wish you the best during these turbulent times. Let's get into it. This is Defund the Police. The defund movement is around taking money that is currently allocated to uh, the NYPD and reallocating those funds to different services like the Department of Youth and Community Development, doing things like the DOE, the DOH. And so it's not just about adding funds to those departments or areas within the budget, but actually the reallocation. Like, so that's the main emphasis that we're trying to make, that we don't need a budget for the NYPD that's $6 billion. It's outrageous. And so this moment has been one where we've seen a lot more people being able to go out and um, participate in uprisings to share their experiences with police brutality, partially because we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know? People have a lot more free time on their hands to be able to participate. Folks are not working as consistently, so they have that time to go out if they choose to versus being at work, um, depending on their schedules. We have seen through this pandemic that uh, Black and Brown people have been affected the most and have died the most at disproportional rates. Okay, I want everyone to please pay attention to this. It's, it's important. Coronavirus is killing more African-Americans than any other group of people in the United States. That is according to a new study finding Black Americans, just 13.4% of the population, account, they account for, or we account for, almost 60% of coronavirus deaths. And so just like we have been impacted through this COVID-19 pandemic, it's the same thing with police brutality. New York City's proposed budget just completely cut services and programs that New Yorkers need. And so again, going back to those things about community services, like um, support for homeless, support for mental health support, education for young people and hiring more school staff, like those are things that we're, or the current budget chooses not to prioritize. And that's exactly why we need to defund the police and reallocate those funds versus just adding to the budget in those specific areas. And we've also seen, you know, the criminalization of black and brown people across these uprisings that have happened in um, the past few weeks. And more specifically, you know, like people are protesting police violence and brutality and are being brutalized and having violence perpetrated against them during these protests. And so it's just indicative of the state of where we are and the emphasis is placed on why we actually need to focus on defunding and not just adding to these other areas. As we mentioned, we are keeping a close eye on the protest on the tonight. Protest tonight in Minneapolis. Following the death of George, the death of Floyd. George Floyd, the unarmed, the unarmed, unarmed, black, unarmed man. black man who died after a white officer detained him and pinned him na- down by kneeling on Floyd's neck. Police were filmed in multiple cases, uh, trapping and brutalizing protesters in some major cities last night. The protests were peaceful. Were peaceful. There were no issues. No issues with the protesters whatsoever. However, the protesters uh, engaged in civil disobedience by refusing to abide by these ridiculous curfews. This is just into CNN. It's some frightening new video. It's from inside inside the protest uh, a few hours ago in Brooklyn. Okay. Now, it's a marked police vehicle. It appears to drive directly into a barrier where a large number of protesters were gathered. (laughs) 
Now to the fallout from the president's visit to St. John's Episcopal Church just after we were on the air last night here. The park police firing flashbangs, smoke canisters, pepper balls at peaceful demonstrators, apparently to clear the way for the president. We have learned it was Attorney General William Barr who gave the order. I have enormous concerns about what is going on in the streets. Overall, the overwhelming majority of every event has been incredibly peaceful. Obviously, there has been some looting, there's been some breaking into stores, and obviously you've also seen that there have been some police cars that have been burned. That is deeply unfortunate because it does obviously distract from what is a very necessary message that has to be out there. What we are also seeing and people are experiencing is just outright shows of force and violence against peaceful protesters on a regular basis by the NYPD. To increase the NYPD's budget while decreasing social services, public education funds were decreased, school programs were cut, summer programs are cut from the mayor's budget. It just doesn't make any sense. Any photograph, any video that you look at uh, from the protesters, and it doesn't matter if it's being shown by the right or the left of what they're trying to show, what you will see is an enormous military. Why does the NYPD need to be driving around in armored vehicles that are, you know, but for the cannon are effectively tanks, carrying whole military rifles and gear? Now, they are a police force, not a military. You know, cut the, cutting their funding doesn't mean necessarily that there will be less police. They might have less military gear. <laughs> there are many ways in which you can decrease uh, the police force. And maybe they should decrease the number too. Don't take me to say that, that isn't something that should be considered. New York has historically low crime rates at this moment. And they've been going down for years. And it is not because, you know, the police have done such a wonderful job securing the city. They're simply going down. It's a, just a fact. And if there were less police, we would still see that as a trend. Tonight, with a mounting national chorus decrying police brutality against black Americans, there's a new call for deep structural reform of policing across the country. Many are now demanding departments be defunded, dismantled, or outright abolished. I want people to understand that we are committed. We are committed to shifting resources, shifting resources. Uh, to ensure that the focus is on our young people. There are several things the Justice Committee is advocating for. Some of those things include the removal of the NYPD from um, social service roles and as first responders for um, people who are in mental health or emotional distress and the removal of the NYPD from schools and um, youth development services because we know that officers are currently serving as school safety agents and how that makes young people feel is indicative of like the policing system and the school to prison pipeline. Outside of that, we are looking for officers who have been involved in the killings and murders of the families that we work with to be fired. In the Eric Garner case, it took five years for Daniel Pantaleo to be fired. Angry crowds tonight in the streets of New York, protesting yet another controversial grand jury decision. I can't 
Adding a new chant to the growing chorus of civil discontent across the country. Now responding to the white police officer seen here, not facing charges for holding down an unarmed black man, Eric Garner, in an apparent chokehold that is said to have eventually killed him. And then some of those officers are still working who were involved in that case even today. Wayne Isaacs, who murdered Delron Small, is still working, you know? And so there are several different things that we're advocating for in terms of them being fired, but also that it's not just those who have murdered these loved ones of our family members that we work with, but also that we need the officers who we know um, are committing police brutality and violence against different people to also be fired because it's not enough to keep them on the force just because they don't have a murder case against them at the moment, you know? We feel that those things would definitely support our families. It would bring some sort of justice to these lived experiences that these families have gone through because obviously justice can never be served in the ways that they um, would like because you can't bring those family members back, you know? And so as far as repealing 50A, that's something that we've been working on for years and um, something that we believe should be repealed in full. Lawmakers heard their cries and change is coming to police departments across the state. With the passage of a new bill in Albany, the repeal of 50A, which will make public the disciplinary records of officers statewide. The big thing with 50A is that it protects so much police information and secrecy. So there are several different instances in which the 50A weren't in effect in the ways that it is within New York that potentially Eric Garner could be alive right now, right? Ramarley Graham could be alive because uh, the officers that were involved in those cases already had misconduct files brought against them. It's just that that was not information that was known to the public. Families should not have to fight for half a decade to get this information released. And realistically, the only reason that some of these informations were released in these cases was because someone leaked them, not because it was brought out based on the system that we currently have in place. And so we are wholeheartedly advocating for a full repeal of 50A. And if people aren't willing to take those moments to actually self-reflect, it's going to probably make it really difficult for us to get to a point where we can have those community-based supports, where we can have those mental health services come in. At the end of the day, we are still functioning here together as a unit. And so we do have folks who are in those career fields, but we also have to think about the ways that our own lived experiences and opinions come into play when we are dealing with people. So if a person is thinking that I am too aggressive because I'm speaking my opinion and I am being very direct, then that is something for them to think about, you know, because the way that I'm speaking is not necessarily aggressive, it's not coming off in any way outside of me being very direct and clear in what I'm saying. And so it's going to take a lot of self-work that people need to be able to do in order for us to get to that point where those systems can be in place. But I do think it's possible, um, especially because we are seeing those shifts with folks saying abolish the police. We are seeing things in Minneapolis with the city council members saying that they are going to try to, you know, work out something where the policing system is disbanded and they rework that. That may look like trial and error, but it's something that we should definitely be moving towards. 
We have breaking news out of Minneapolis at this Minneapolis hour. City Council members at a rally about an hour ago have announced their plan to disband the Minneapolis Police Department. Our commitment is to do what's necessary to keep every single member of our community safe and to tell the truth that the Minneapolis Police are not doing that. Our commitment is to end our city's toxic relationship with the Minneapolis Police Department, to end policing as we know it, and to recreate systems of public safety that actually keep us safe. Mayor Eric Garcetti says he and the city council have agreed to take $250 million from the city budget from every department, including LAPD, and redirect the money to social programs that help minorities and the underserved. San Francisco Mayor London Breed wants to give a part of the police budget to black communities in the city. Mayor London Breed says the amount they're looking to redirect will be announced on August 1st. I talked to San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott about the decrease in funding. To reallocate funding to programs that are going to help the overall city objectives, that's not defunding. I mean, we suffer budget cuts all the time. Yes, yeah, it's, it's head spinning how quickly that caught on. And in fact, the International Association of Chiefs of Police just issued a statement basically saying, don't cut our budgets. I, you know, I want to talk for a moment about what I think it's really about, and then actually something that could go wrong. I really view the defunding movement as a call from people in communities to be saying, the police are not helping, they're harming. And meanwhile, we have a lot of unmet needs that society is not addressing. So let's stop pumping money into the institution that's harming us and give money to the institutions that we need to help us. There's some sense in that. And even as the IACP points out, we defunded mental health a while ago, which is why we've got some of the problems that we have government, quite frankly, has dropped the ball on many of its jobs. Defunding the police is complicated because there's some scholarship that suggests that a very poorly funded department is a dangerous department. Officers are stressed to the max. They don't have equipment that they need. Um, you know, I, I, I can see that both ways. That's very, very, very tricky. But I think what we need to do is catch a breath and figure out, do we understand the underlying problem and are we ready to face up to that problem? I became curious about what cops actually do all day long because what cops are, are trained to respond with force and the law. They're law enforcement, law enforcement. And the question is, is that the right response to substance abuse, homelessness, domestic violence, name it. And what I did is I walked through all the functions that the police served and just kind of did a matchup. You know, does the skill set of force and law address this issue? Let me give you kind of a good example because it's so mundane. Cops spend a fair amount of time, you know, taking traffic reports for accidents. Is that a good use of their time? Are they trained to do that? Or would, you know, some recent college graduates do a better job of that. Do we need cops? New Orleans just decided that they don't. They contract that out. Domestic violence. You may well need force. It can be a very volatile situation. But you also may need mediation. You may need somebody to go in and try to calm the situation down. You may need social work skills. Try to diagnose what's going on in that particular domestic unit. See if we can't help long-term problems. Again, cops aren't trained to do that. Staff aren't trained adequately. What I did was I took that all apart. And at the end of the day, I said, 
look, there's a function that policing serves, but there's a lot of what we send police to do that really could be addressed with different skill set. And I think that's, you know, very much at the bottom of what folks are talking about with the defunding movement right now. I have this dream of a completely reimagined idea of first responders. First responders would be trained much more substantially than today's police officers on a wide range of disciplinary skills. So they would know how to use some force and they would know about the law, but they would also know about mediation, social work and EMT and conflict resolution. They would be incentivized in a completely different way than the police are today. They'd get credit when they solve problems. They'd get rewarded for not using force, for not bringing people into the criminal justice system unless absolutely necessary. They'd get rewarded for solving the problem that caused them to be called to the same address 10 times. If you look at the streets right now, there are lots of people, maybe tens and hundreds of thousands, who actually have an idea of what policing ought to look like compared to what we're seeing now. So maybe it's a little less of a hard sell than we might have thought. You know, veto-proof majority of the Minneapolis City Council says, I think quite correctly, we need a Department of Public Safety, not a police department. It's ironic because a lot of police departments call themselves departments of public safety, but what the councilors in Minneapolis are trying to say, and I applaud them, is our goal as a society is to make sure that people are safe along a lot of dimensions. You know, are you safe if you're homeless? Are you safe if you can't conquer a substance abuse problem? And is your family safe in that set of circumstances? Are you safe if you're mentally ill and not getting care? We need to start to have a more capacious understanding of what is public safety, and then we need to target our resources toward achieving that, instead of just thinking that we're going to go around. I mean, the concept of policing is sort of like, we're all at personal risk from bad people at every moment. Our homes are being broken into and our and our bodies violated. And there are certainly neighborhoods and communities in these countries that have very serious problems of that nature. It is not most of the country. And the really sad irony is that the places that suffer the most from this are the very ones that are getting the least help and the most harm.